Welcome to the Mad Dad Movie Review, a podcast full of first-time movie reviews starring Mads and her dad. Hi, Mads. And I'm her dad, and this is Mad Dad Movie Review. So you know what movie I just recently rewatched? Hmm. Demon Knight. <laughs> the way you said that. <laughs> Demon Knight. <laughs> <laughs> Nah, Demon Knight, it's Tales from the Crypt, was this horror show that was on HBO uh, when I was a kid. Uh, it started in the late, ni- late 80s, and it went on for like seven seasons, I believe. Uh, but towards its tail end of the series, when the, sh- the, the show was wrapping up, this show still had enough popularity where they branched out and did two movies through, uh, ironically enough, just like this today's movie, Universal Pictures put out uh, Demon Knight first, which is what I rewatched recently, <clears throat> and then the following year, Bordello of Blood. Two totally, completely different movies. I went with my favorite of the two, obviously, <laughs> and went with Demon Knight. Um, I've, I've, I've always liked that movie. Demon Knight's always been, it's, it, it's a good one. One of these days, we'll get into that one. Maybe, uh, this Halloween, I'll put it on the uh, contenders list, but Maybe. but yeah, Tales from the Crypt, great show. Every week, I mean, there was big stars. Every episode had a different big star. I mean, mm-hmm. one episode had Schwarzenegger, another episode had Tom Hanks. For Christ's sake, there was an episode with uh, Dan Aykroyd. A lot of big actors that ended up on that show. Um, so yeah, it was a good one. Anyway. Today's episode is about... The Breakfast Club. (laughs) Breakfast Club, yes. A movie that I have seen countless times. I've seen this film so many times, I can't pinpoint my first time watching it. Um, It's just a film that's stuck with me. I don't want to say it's really... I've personally connected with it because... It's just always, it's it's to me. This is like the OG teen film, or one of. I can just relate, you know. And John Hughes is just so damn good at, per, or he was. Unfortunately, he left us ten years ago. He was just so damn good at writing a screenplay for 
the the, the teenage generation of the eighties. Uh, he was like twice their age, and he was churning out scripts that you would swear would, was written. If you didn't know any better, you would think it was written by a teenager themselves because it was. He just had this this gift, this sense. It's like he connected with the teens, the kids, and like. I don't know how he did it, but you know that that's one of the reasons why I've always been a John Hughes fan is just the realism. You know, um, he never his teenage his teen films weren't your typical teen films. They actually said something, and this here, The Breakfast Club, no different. Um, that being said, let's just start this off. Let's get down to the nitty gritty. So let's get down to the nitty gritty. So The Breakfast Club premiered February 7th, 1985 in Los Angeles. It was released February 15th, 1985 by Universal Pictures. It opened up in third place against Beverly Hills Cup, Witness, and Vision Quest. Opening weekend grows 5.1 million. Total grows 51.5. Broken out 45.8 domestic. 5.6 foreign with just a million dollar budget. So this movie made bank for Universal. It was directed by John Hughes, produced by Ned Tannen and John Hughes, written for the screen by John Hughes, music by Keith Forsey, edited by Dee Dee Allen, and cinematography by Thomas Del Ruth. Starring Emilio Estevez as Andrew, Paul Gleason as Richard Vernon, Anthony Michael Hall as Brian, Judd Nelson as Bender, John Capellas as Carl, Molly Ringwald as Claire, and Ali Sheedy as Allison. Mads. Yes. First impressions. What'd you think? Um, I liked. Um, I liked how they introduced the characters. I liked how, because they, um... One by one, entering, getting dropped off. Yeah, and they weren't, like, when they all, like, met, Mm -hmm. they, um, didn't get along at first, and then as the movie went on, they did. Yeah, Yeah, and we're going to definitely talk about that in in this episode. There is, that, yeah, the the, the way it starts off, you know, one by one, you see them being dropped off at the school, um... All but Bender walking himself like the normal, and yeah, at first you're just thinking you're getting yourself into a movie. You've got your obvious stereotypes here. Something else we'll talk about later on. But like I keep saying, when it's all said and done, you know this this movie says something, and I, I've got a lot to talk about in this movie. So it's going to be a good episode. Um. So, why do I love this film? I'll tell you why I love this film. Because it'll always be my first teen film. I love this film because of the late, great Paul Gleason. I love it because of Bender's appreciation for the Scorpions and the Doors. I love it because of the always fun to watch chase back to the library set to Wang Chung. I love it because of the way Bender quietly leaves his shoe in the gym. I love it because I'm a man of respect around here. I'm a swell guy. People like me. I love it because Don't You Forget About Me is still one of the greatest songs of all time. I love this movie because of the way it still 
speaks to my youth as an adult. I love it because chicks cannot hold their smoke. And finally, I love it because, sincerely yours, The Breakfast Club. You can't see it when I'm doing my bender pose. So that's what we thought of this. How about the critics? Uh, let's just start with Raj. Raj Ebert, he awarded this thing three stars out of four and called the performances wonderful, adding that the film was more or less predictable but doesn't need earth-shaking revelations. It's about kids who grow willingly, who grow willing to talk to one another and it has a surprisingly good ear for the way they speak. His partner, Gene Siskel, gave the film three and a half out of four stars, three and a half stars out of four. And he wrote, this confessional formula has worked in films as different as Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf, The Big Chill, and My Dinner with Andre. And it works here too. It works especially well in The Breakfast Club because we keep waiting for the film to break out of its claustrophobic set and give us a typical teenage movie sexist violence scene that doesn't happen, much to our delight. And then Kathleen Carroll from the New York Daily News said, Hughes has a wonderful knack for communicating the feelings of teenagers as well as an obvious rapport with his exceptional cast who deserve top grades. True. Outside of that, the reviews were less positive. Um, Janet Maslin of the New York Times wrote, There are some good young actors in The Breakfast Club, though a couple of them have been given unplayable roles, namely Ali Sheedy and Judd Nelson, adding, The five young stars would have mixed well, even without the fraudulent encounter group candored towards which The Breakfast Club forces them. Mr. Hughes having thought up with the characters and simply flung them together, should have, well, should have left well enough alone. And then I got here, James Harwood of Variety panned the film as a movie that will probably pass as deeply profound among today's teenage audience, meaning the youngsters in the, in the film spent most of their time talking to each other instead of dancing, dropping their drawers and throwing food. This, on the other hand, should not suggest that <clears throat> that they have anything intelligent to say. So yeah, I'm, instead of just going down one by one by one by one, people panning this, I mean, like most great films from this era, obviously it came, it, it turned a cult following over time. Um, I remember 2005 with the VMAs, they had a 20th anniversary, like a reunion on stage with Almost everyone except, um, I think, Judd Nelson, which, if I'm not mistaken, he was actually there that night, which is weird that he wasn't there for the, the one-stage thing. I know uh, Ali Sheedy, Molly Ringwald, Anthony Michael Hall were all on stage with John, John Capellos. Uh, I know Paul Gleason was there because he handed them, like, the Lifetime Award or whatever it was. It, it was cool. I, I remember that very well from 15 years ago. Um, it's also worth noting that this is the 35th anniversary of the film, so that is that. Um, basically, this film, if you don't know what this film is about, <coughs> Madeline, what's this film about? You talk. It's, it's the easiest plot in the world. What's this film about? It's about these five kids. Mm -hmm. Um, five kids, different personalities. They're all, they're all 
they all got detention for different reasons. And basically they hate each other at first. And as the movie goes on, they get along and it's just a movie really in detention. They're in this library half the time, maybe in the hallway. There's a scene in the basketball court, but but the movie itself, it's not It's not it's just about not kids your, in detention. Yeah. Like, you know, it, there's a lot going on with this film. Um, like I said at the start, it's not your typical standard teenage angst, you know, cliche. It's, it's none of that. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, it's all over the place, really. But not in a bad way. Yeah. Not in a bad way at all. It's in a good way. It's an uh, interesting way. Um, before we get into these talking points here, um, little sidebar quickly, uh, shout out to our listeners outside the U.S., Australia, U.K., Mexico, Germany, Indonesia, Philippines, and Ireland. I've noticed you guys. Thanks. So let's start with the library, cause that, that library is <laughs> huge. <laughs> If only Perry Hall High School's library was like that. If it was, I, it would have been I, I would have read more books. I would have read books to begin with. There's barely even books in the library in the movie. There's like, you see some, but... Yeah, this library that they're in is just... Mainly just a class it's with a two-story two, two floors. Yeah. It's like a freaking museum-esque thing. It's Upstairs, a, there are books. But downstairs, it's like a whole classroom. Yeah, there's books and like... 20% of this room. Yeah, it's <clears throat> mainly a classroom. <laughs> well, I can tell you about this. I, I have some notes on the library. Um, so this film, this movie was filmed, at, it was filmed at Maine North High School in Des Plaines, Illinois, which is outside of Chicago. The place closed in 1981. This filmed in early 84. Um, so they they use this for its interior scenes. Um, also, it's also worth noting that this movie was being filmed together with Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Oh, yeah. Hughes filmed these. Movie. Hughes was filming these movies together. Um, just he used a lot of the same crew. He's always shooting around Chicago. So it's why been a not? Since I've seen that movie. I've seen it like once. Wanted to see it again, but never. Ferris Bueller's great. Um, so yeah, they, they that that film as well. They use this the same school for the interior stuff. Now the library itself, the school library was it was too small for production. So what they did was they basically built this library on a set in the gym of this school that they were filming it in. So imagine like going through, okay, you got this, the, the, the hallways and the classrooms, but then you go to the gym and it's just turned into this freaking incredible, stupid library from the <laughs> breakfast club. That's just insane. It's like, how are they going to play basketball? Because they have a gym. Mm -hmm. So they have like two gyms. Don't they? Or did they only well, have they could have filmed it out after sure. after the fact, before after they put up the set, they could have done that scene. Yeah. It's it's a, it's a quick minor scene, but just imagine going back to school, just seeing that, like what? I mean, I'm sitting here right now trying to think of like other libraries and different movies, and if if there if anything comes to mind that like remind me of this that are set up like this, because I 
can't at the top of my mind think of one from any movie. Like you don't usually. Then again, I don't remember too many libraries. You know. Not that many libraries and movies. So yeah, these these five kids are just sitting in Saturday detention in this palace of a of of a, of a library with the assistant principal's office just right across. So he's not the nicest person. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I guess we can talk about Bender or not Bender. Um, Vernon, the principal, assistant principal. He threatens Bender and all that. He just doesn't get it. And it's even noted later on in the film that, like, he just doesn't. The, the kids haven't changed. He has, you know? He's tired of it, but at the same time, it's like if you're that tired, just quit because obviously you're not doing the best at your job. Right. He doesn't. He. Yeah. It doesn't get him, and he just thinks pushing around, he thinks that barking around, people are going to be scared of him. He thinks that that tactic works. Well, no. Nah, Holmes, that tactic hasn't worked not in 50 even, plus years. Yeah, not even to this day. It's still if it even work. did work at all, you know. All right, so let's talk about each character and break this down. We've got Brian, he's the brain. He's the most socially lost one of the, of the bunch. Andrew's the athlete, Claire's the princess. They're the alpha kids of the group, more or less. Allison's the basket case. She might just be the smartest one, though. Bender, he's the criminal. He's the biggest mystery, though. Real deal or full of it? What's your take on that? What do you mean? Bender, you think he's full of shit? <laughs> Do you think he's as tough and, and and crazy as he claims, or do you think he's just making it up to just put on a story and make people be scared of him and think that he's just this tough SOB? I think it's in between. Like, I think he's not the nicest person. Yeah, he has some bad things in his life and all that. But I think if you... Should really... my dad and his dad go bowling? What? Oh! <laughs> <laughs> but... He has his scenes and his moments where if you if you get to know him, he'll definitely be nicer and he's not as bad as people think. You just have to get to know him. But if you, yeah. It's like, I don't know. He's in between, really. I've always, personally, I've always, when I watched this movie, I think Bender's full of crap. I don't think he's as, I don't think he is... I don't think he is who he claims he is fully. Yeah, Maybe I'm fully. like you and not completely full of it, but the majority of him mm-hmm. definitely is. A lot of scenes, he's you don't see him cry when he tears up and he hesitates a lot. Oh, he's got a heart. Oh, yeah. yeah. This movie does a good job of showing you that and telling you that. He definitely yeah. does. <laughs> you know, I like <laughs> getting a little off track here. When I noticed when the movie started, I always forget about this when it starts. It it, it always it's got that classical starring in alphabetical order. <laughs> I don't know. I'm going with that. It's just I don't know. I, I wrote it down on my random notes, and I don't know, it just felt like a weird time to bring it up. So what yeah, the we're hell? We're just gonna randomly bring it up, even though we're talking about Bender and all that. <laughs> that makes sense. 
<laughs> All right, so let's talk about the two themes this movie has. Uh, the, fir- the, the main theme, of course, it's, it's the constant struggle of the American teenager to be understood by adults and themselves. It explores the pressure put on teenagers to fit into their own realms of high school social constructs. As well as the lofty expectations of their parents, teachers, and other authority figures. At first, the teens have little to do with each other, but as the day rolls on, they eventually bond over a common disdain for the aforementioned authorities of peer pressure and expectations. Can you relate to this? What? The, um... The... Not the plot. The theme? Like... Uh, the pressure. Like, do you, do you feel like... It, like how how do you have, like, am I failing am myself I, as a parent? Let's get real here. You yeah. and I. This is a good episode. This is a mad dad co- podcast, you know. So let's just. No, I mean, there's. Let's times. just bring the, like let's talk about this. I feel like there's every kid. They feel like um, they're getting too much pressure on them when they're not really their parents. Just trying to get them like to do the right thing and all that. Mm-hmm. But at some points, not not you in particular, yeah. But at some points, there are people that don't understand in my life that do that. I'm not gonna like say names or any of that, but mm-hmm. definitely I... there's a, a couple people who don't understand, and they think since I was like this when I was younger, you should be like this. You should get treated the same way. Um, maybe a little bit more spoiled, but still, I'm gonna be like, no, that's that's not how it works. You just need to understand how kids are these days, and understand it's. And that's how it's always been. That's how yeah. that's what kids were saying even back in the '80s. You and it's know? like you just have to understand it's not, it's not your life. It's my life, and you can't just act like you can control all of that. I can make my own decisions. If it's bad, then it's bad. It's not like. You can do anything about it. If I want to do this, it's not like you can just magically stop me. Right. Okay. Very good point. I personally don't... I don't feel like I've ever, as a parent speaking, ever put you on a pedestal. No. I don't really have expectations like that. Mm -hmm. I also like to put myself in your shoes. I feel like I'm good at that when it comes to think trying to get inside of your head and talk to you when i wanted to do gymnastics and you're like yeah it's your choice you're 12 years old now you should make that decision absolutely yeah i um i thought about it it's like yeah i want to do gymnastics but at the same time i know i'm not that good so i think i'll just like stick to trying you're at the point of your life where you are starting to know and understand Mm -hmm. what you want you're not a puppet yeah, and I thought about it. I, I think I didn't have a child, <laughs> so they can become whatever yeah, or, I want them yeah. to be. Like, no, that's that's not how it works with me personally. Yeah, I kind of just want to stop doing sports at the moment, especially with what's going on. Obviously, but I'm talking about like maybe in the future I'll get back at it. But well, we're I not just... going to talk about that on the air. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's not happening. That's not though. <clears throat> There's, yeah, I, I like, like I said, I, I feel like you and I have a good relationship. Mm-hmm. And I feel like you understand, definitely. So. Yeah, because I, uh, I like to put myself in your shoes. I can understand how you're feeling based on, hey, I remember when I was 12. I remember the seventh grade. I still have memories. And, and so 
it's kind of easy for me to relate because I have memories myself. I can, if I can put myself in my own shoes at that age, I can definitely do it for you and, and you know, kind of get in your head sometimes. So the other theme um, is stereotyping. And so once the obvious stereotypes are broken down, the characters emphasize with each other's struggles, dismiss some of the inaccuracies of their first impressions, and discover that they are more similar than different. Um, what are your, what are your, you know, current experiences with this? Like stereotypes and stuff like that. Like the jocks, mm -hmm. the loser kids, you know. People the, don't the, do all that. This the, the brains, the nerd, whatever, you know. I mean, yeah, there's still people like that in school to this day, but you don't hear people going up to you being like, oh, there's this team and they're the jocks. It's not like you have this group of people. They're all their own. They're all different. Everyone's different now. So if I, you know, if I went to school with... 2020 kids you know i you wouldn't say oh there's the jocks right oh, like, everyone would be like everyone would be different They'd everyone have fits in friend. together yeah they'd only be there they'd be their um certain friend group they'll say what they want to be now why the hell couldn't it have been like that when i was in high school <laughs> it's more drama though i feel like i feel like 2020 when i was in school when i was your age in middle school we had this this is perfect with the conversation where we're having the topic. We had yos and grits. What? Yeah. In hindsight, I don't know what the hell <laughs> why they were called grits. Yo. Basically people that listen to hip hop and wear uh, like baggy clothes oh and no. stuff. And then you've got the people who were like listening to like Marilyn Manson and were like dark and 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 they were you know so chain wallets and they had their doc martin boots and their jinko jeans you know that was you had those and you had the others and then funny enough it felt like every other friday there would be like a fight across the street after school at three o'clock behind the metro supermarket and it was always nine times out of ten a yo versus a grit there's still fights at our school every day, though. Um, yeah, parents... A lot of the times, it never really happened. I mean, people gathered around. Like, the fight almost happened. The fights would sometimes almost start, and then either they just wouldn't, or, or a teacher would break thing. it up because even though it was directly across the street, Metro is where that church is across the street now, next uh, to the, the, the bowling alley. That used to be a supermarket, and like that was the big thing, like... Three th three o'clock. Meet me behind Metro. You know, like that's how oh, we settled our differences. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, no, I will not be seeing you at three <laughs> o'clock. I am putting my ass on the bus and going home and doing my homework. <laughs> this guy wants me to meet him at the supermarket at three o'clock. <laughs> the hell is he on? <laughs> um. So what do you think happens to everyone on Monday? I think the okay, they all said they weren't they weren't going to be like they were in detention. I think but then towards the end 
they all started to get together and understand each other more, definitely. So I think they might change the school around a little bit. Like, they'll all hang out and people can think they're weird or whatever. But... So you think on Monday... I think the school's going to change. They're going to stick to their word? Yeah. And still talk to each other and socialize? And not be embarrassed? other people will understand. That's usually how it goes. I want to think that, but... At the same time... I definitely think on Monday they go back to their groups. Unless they all get attention again. <laughs> Unless they all get detention <laughs> the we next know Saturday. Bender's already getting detention. Yeah, he's going okay. to be there for He's the going to be there for like two, three months, but... That's right. <laughs> Every Saturday. He's got detention for the rest of his natural-born life. Do, uh... Do you think Andrew and Allison and Bender and Claire last together? Bender and Claire, I don't think so. Allison and Andrew, yes. Why? I don't know. I think maybe, like, Bender and Claire, they get into too many arguments. Like, they they get along, and then all of a sudden, like, a couple minutes later, they'll get into this dumb argument. So I think one of them are definitely going to end it right away. Yeah, it's kind of toxic to begin with, right off the bat. It's just not a good sign. Because, yeah, you're right. They do bicker an awful lot. Andrew (laughs) I mean, obviously they do. But towards the end, even when they're, like, they're just too. They're too different. It's, it wouldn't go well. I think Andrew and Allison, they might stay together. I just think... Andrew got with Allison because of the look. Because of the, the, the... Yeah, because he didn't like her. And then all of a sudden she changed her style. And he was like, oh. So maybe if she went back to her her original, he'll just be like, okay, yeah, I'm good. You her know? just practicing on her face. <laughs> it's like, dude, you know when she gets home, she's wiping that crap right off. Yeah, and, yeah. you know, putting the black right back on. <laughs> She wants to run away. I like to think that they can. <laughs> I last. think they can, but see, see, people. I'm not totally raw, or I'm, I'm not a complete cynical person. But I think they might last, and then all of a sudden he's going to realize that they're just. I don't see them together. They they're too different too. Everyone was very different. But I feel very like, different. Yeah, like they all had their own little group. But I just feel like, I don't know, he's, I feel like Andrew would be the one to shut things down right away. Yeah. Or he'd just ignore her and that's how it ends. Like, he even said he'd do that, so. Alright, another thing I want to talk about is something that I mentioned earlier in how because of everything discussed, this isn't your typical teenage angst film. Like, there's more to this movie than just the theme of stereotypes mm-hmm. and, and that parent and, and child bond, that relationship. They definitely talked about the parent and child, but, like, the movie's not, not about that. They're getting to know each other more and... And it's not your typical teenage angst film because there's they, there are a dime a dozen, but like I mentioned before, John Hughes has a craft and just 
the way he's able to speak dialogues in his screenplays, the way he's able to just flesh out a character in his scripts. These five kids, there's just something about them. Like it's never done in an eye rolling or uh just yeah okay like it's it it's believable it's it's believable stuff that he's always put out you know that's why i said he's always been so good at this in all of his teen movies and he's done the, the bulk of his films were kind of like this but they were all different in their own unique way this though there's just there's more to it than what's on the outside like you look at the front cover it's it's the infamous pose of the five of them and it's displaying right in front of you right there for everyone to see the the the, the stereotypes you've got Emilio wearing the 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 jock the, the jacket you know you and you've got Bender he has a lot of jackets Bender has a lot of jackets. Yeah, let's talk about Bender's uh, wardrobe <laughs> because he... <laughs> does Barry Manilow know you rated his wardrobe? Dude does... I don't even have a joke for it. He has this cause... one style walking into um, the library and outside. And then all of a sudden, he takes off that, off his coat and his hat. And he just has a complete different style. It's two styles in one. It's weird. It's very weird. Yeah, he's got the the long top coat. He's got, and it's like a like a you gray. You had like that, but it wasn't gray and white. No, mine's a, a nice Yours fancy. Is yeah, mine's not a trench coat. I always gotta remind, or not remind. I always gotta correct people when they're like nice trench coat, or they always with their typical or uh, their freaking neo matrix references. It's like, come on, guys, it's not a trench coat. It's a top coat. Okay, <laughs> I have style, a little class. Hello. I remember. Um, me and Haley used to call you. Um, what was his name? Linking. Link. Link. <laughs> What? You would call me who? <laughs> um, what's that person's name? Lincoln? Um, Lincoln? Lincoln. Did you have to be here? Abraham Lincoln? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Abe Lincoln, okay. That's what me and Haley used to always call you. No? Yeah. Because you, you had a hat, too. I've never, I've never worn you, a top you hat. You didn't wear that hat, but... You had a hat? Yes, you did. You had a black hat that went with it. I'm pretty sure. No. Absolutely not. Now you're, now you're just making crap I could, up. I could see you <laughs> I could see you wearing a hat like that. Whatever. All right, let's get back on track here. Back on topic. Dear Mr. Vernon, we accept the fact that we had to sacrifice a whole Saturday in detention for whatever it was we did wrong. But we think you're crazy to make us write an essay telling you who we think we are. And you see us as you want to see us. In the simplest terms, the most convenient definitions. But what we found out is that each one of us is a brain. And an athlete. And a basket case. A princess. And a criminal. Does that answer your question? 
Sincerely yours, The Breakfast Club. So with the essay, is there anything about it you wanted to talk about? The essay, what, at first, when they all asked, um... That's the essay. I I know. What was his name? Who, Vernon? The the principal? The guy who the essay. Oh, Brian. Brian. Brian wrote it. Brian, um... He definitely, I thought, like, at first, he was going to write all individual essays. I didn't think he was going to put it in all one paper. And he, it took him a while to write the essay. And then he has, like, and then you, um, when you actually write it down in real life, it's like, wait, that's so tiny. And that took him, like, an hour to write. But, yeah, I like the essay a lot. I think it definitely... It's the perfect wrap up for the movie. Mm-hmm. I think it's the it's it's pretty much the answer to what the film is. Like, hey, this is what you've been watching for the last hour and forty five minutes, and this is a nice little bow to put on top of your ending yeah, because I think, I think this movie has one of the best endings. I just mm-hmm. I think after Mr. Vernon um read the essay, I think he might have maybe changed. Maybe we went back to school and he was a better person. Because that definitely tells you We would you like that. the hope. Yeah, because that definitely tells you, in that essay, it tells you, like, we're not who you think we are. Like, respect us for who we are. We're not going to be... Right. We're not going to um, do everything you want to do because half of the time it's something we don't need to do and it makes no sense to do, you know? It's like... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I'm just listening to everything you gotta say. Believe me, when you when you got something to say like this, that makes me happy. So, fire away. Okay. I wanted to add just just a couple random notes about the movie um, before we bring this thing home. Uh, first. Let's talk about Allison's lunch. Oh my gosh. So we've got thrown bologna. Yeah, but she doesn't eat that. Not one, but two emptied sugar sticks. Captain, what appears to be Captain Crunch. I could be wrong, but that looks like Captain Crunch cereal. I thought it was goldfish. No, it's it's cereal. It's Captain Crunch. And the Coke. Everyone got a Coke. Yeah, I know, but yeah. still. It was a cherry Coke, if you want to be specific. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> it was a cherry nice. Coke. Good call, kid. I saw cherries on it. It nice. looked like a cherry Coke, too. Hmm, didn't never do that. Yeah, um, that was a lunch <laughs> in this movie. <laughs> it, I saw it, and I, I didn't think it was disgusting, and then now thinking about it, it's like, I could... Sugar? I could go for an Allison sandwich right now. <laughs> like, sugar and Captain Crunch on a sandwich? Like, nothing else? Um, I'm pretty sure there was a mayonnaise on that sandwich, too, from the bologna. Look. That's, um... Something. I don't want to turn this into, pivot into a conversation about <laughs> random sandwiches. I think my favorite quote in this movie is... Screws fall out all the time. The world's in a perfect place. Even, like, 
I like how the principal knew that it was him. But if I was the principal, I would have been like, okay, maybe you're correct. Like, I wouldn't just think he was lying right away. I was just messing with him, pushing his buttons. I mean, yeah. you got to think about it. They're there from, what, 7 to 3 o'clock. So they're, they're in Saturday detention against their pretty pretty much against their own will and so they're going to do whatever they can to just piss this dude off that's just rude keeping them there for eight hours like no (laughs) you're supposed to be in school for two i mean (laughs) for six hours not eight so okay well speaking of the saturday school you want to talk about how why some of them are there so we got Okay. That was. We want to start. Um. Let me see. I'm trying to find it. Because we got. Brian. Brian had an emotional story. Okay. We'll start with Brian. I mean, uh, so. Brian got. Brian's so worried about his parents that he was going to kill himself. But here's the thing. With. It was a a flare gun. Flare gun. Um. You. I guess you can it's kind of like a gotcha moment because it, yeah it's, it's once you get it gets all built up and intense and emotional and next thing you know then that's it's a damn good trick. job and then because you gotta this i i feel like if they would have kept going for it if if, if hughes would have kept this like i don't know if he had the if that was a change in the script or if that was already originally in there but for all i know it could have been in there originally like i was like what the like I'm going to say, and Universal could have said, no, take that out. But no, um, f- for all we know, that it could have been scripted like that. Mm-hmm. Whoa, dark. I'm just saying. But the way it turns out, yeah, because this is not that kind of movie, you know? That's nice. That would have been a real dark turn. That would have been a, definitely a twist because you wouldn't expect someone like him. That Something to- like that. I mean... No disrespect, but it would have taken from the movie for me. It would have. It probably would have knocked down I half like how, a star. I like how they turned it into like a joke, like a flare gun, and everyone starts laughing. Yeah, like, light in the moment. <laughs> it blew up in his locker. <laughs> 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 like smart to bring that to school. <laughs> and then Andrew is in for. Um, he's in because. Bullying. Oh. His father's pushing him. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that he breaks down about the whole monologue about the kid. Um, Claire. Claire's there. I didn't. Pay I paid attention, but like it was yesterday we watched it. Claire's there for um something. I know why Alyssa wanted to be there, because she was easy. Allison. Allison. Allison was there. I know Allison was there because she had nothing else to do, but... (laughs) I can't believe this. As much as I've seen this movie, I can't remember myself why... uh, Claire was there. Claire was there. For a reason, just... I'm pretty sure bullying, too. No. It wasn't that. Oh! Went to the mall. Oh, That's right. right. Just came back to, to me. Just came back to me. That's right. She went to the mall. She went to the mall, but she was shopping. Was. Yeah, got caught skipping school. Yeah. So. I mean, I, Saturday detention—that would be a suspension. But 
I feel like that. I never got. I can't. I never went. Got detention. I, I always dodged those bullets. There was a Saturday. There was a time when our band. See, band when I was in eleventh eleventh grade band class because I played the trombone. Mm-hmm. Band was my last class of the day, and our teacher, Mr. Hamburg, we had he had a tendency to just not give a crap half the time. You've told me this story. So we would just spend the last half of his period or his class most of the time just socializing or watching a movie if he had access to the TV or VCR or sometimes go across the hall to the uh, auditorium and same thing. Sometimes the TV was in there and we watched something together. We watched a bunch of movies in his class. But one, one time he went... He told us he was. I guess he was having a bad day. But sometimes we would hang out in the hallway outside the room, and he would. This one day in particular, he was told us not to be out there, and we were. And instead of like just saying, "Hey guys, get back inside," no, he would threw down the hammer and was like, "Saturday school." <laughs> but then, pretty much the way it went down was, we didn't go because we thought it was BS, and he forgot about it. So everyone won. Because if you went, you had no teacher to even assist you. you so that's that's my exper- also- personal experience with Saturday school, or right. lack thereof. Uh, the 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 oh, of course, this is a film from the eighties. So with that, you get your typical standard eighties dance number. In the in the, in the, the the library towards the end, the the, the music number oh! we're doing, they're all doing the the, the dances oh and stuff. I mean, you can't have an '80s film without a dance number, just like you can't have a '90s teen film without a high school prom where everyone all of a sudden breaks into a choreographed dance, like you're in a freaking MTV video. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Like, there's a bunch of those films from, like, the late 90s, early 1000s that were like that. She's all that. That was infamous for having one of those scenes towards the end. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure Whatever It Takes had something similar to that towards the end. But there was a bunch of them. I, I always tell people joking around, like, you know, you know you're in a 90s teen film when all of a sudden the, the entire prom breaks into a, a, a number. A random, like, dance. It's like they planned it all out when they did it. Oh, God. This is exactly. It's like, wait, <laughs> is it's, that it's possible? The most, it's the most planned thing. It's like, Wow. 50 people just happened to have the number, the, the skills, and, and, you know. And they knew exactly and what knew the song was the moves. Exactly. Like, <laughs> get the hell out of here with that. It's like, okay, whatever. Nah. I mean, nowadays there's dances that go to the songs that people have made, but back then they didn't really do that, so. No. No. It was definitely no. something. <laughs> All right. Um, I th- I think that pretty much is that. When the Breakfast Club, uh, pretty cut and dry. Not Still much to it. You've you've got, we've got five people. In one room for an hour and a half, hour forty five minutes, however long the movie is. So there's really not much to it. So, 
What is your unbiased MVP pick? The person that sticks out the most, probably John Bender. Bender is your MVP in the movie? Mm-hmm. Okay. I Why? I feel like because there's a lot of scenes with just him. Um, and other you don't have other characters have just him, you know? Like, just, just their self. John. I like his better. little. I like his poodle joke when he's in the crawling above the ceiling. That just never goes anywhere. Bender. The joke falls when he falls. <laughs> yeah, because there's a lot of scenes with Bender. It's like just Bender. Just how many times are you gonna say Bender in a sentence? Bender. <laughs> Bender. 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 Brian is my unbiased MVP pick. I mean. He's got uh, Anthony Michael Hall just knocks it out of the park as as Brian Johnson, and I think he's the most real. Uh, Brian's my favorite. Okay, <laughs> shut up, shut up. I like Brian. Okay, God. What's your be kind rewind moment? But if I had to choose, I think it would be the scene. It's a rewatchable moment of the film. What is it? I guess I can say them running in the halls all together and trying to, um, trying not to get caught. Running back to the library <laughs> to Wang Chung's fire in the twilight. Yeah, that was my pick. It's definitely my be my be kind of rewind it's moment. The most exciting like scene because. Other scenes, it's a fun scene. Talking. Yeah, because other scenes, they're just, like, talking or getting in trouble. So? This one, they're just running around <laughs> like they own the place. There ain't nothing wrong with a dialogue-driven yeah. film. There is nothing wrong at all. All right, so, double-header pairing. What do you got, kiddo? I got Can't Hardly Wait. Okay. And can you elaborate on that? Um, I did Can't Hardly Wait because I did I was going to choose Mean Girls at first, but then I realized I've already done Mean Girls. So I wanted to try a movie that not everybody's heard of. Oh, you'd I be mean, surprised how many no, people I mean, have heard yeah, of Can't Hardly Wait. Yeah, a lot of people heard of it, <laughs> but I'm talking, yeah, it's, 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 yeah. I gotcha. It's, hey, it's still new to you, so mm-hmm. I gotcha. So I chose to do Can't Hardly Wait because... It's school after party. You're just going off of the whole school theme. Yeah. I got it. Okay. And friends and yeah. Kind of like myself because my doubleheader pairing is a little film from the late 80s called Heathers. Also a high school film, but in a different sense. Heathers is a lot darker. It's, It's campy, but it's not like a serious tone film that it, it the message it, everything's it, the things are similar but all in all it, it's i think it's just a really really good film um pretty sure yeah the heathers look it up if you haven't already heard i'm sure you have but i have i'm pretty sure there's a musical version to it that is my selection for this one Heather's oh, and the Breakfast Club. Yeah. Winona Ryder, Christian Slater, um, Sh- Shannon. Shannon Doherty is in that movie. <clears throat> okay. 
Yeah, Heather, Heather's is a movie I grew up watching. Uh, I remember my it used to be on Cinemax a lot when I was a kid. And me and I had this cousin, Heather, who used to watch it a lot with me. Um, so, yeah. Heather's. Check Have it Heather's out. Heather's a musical event. Oh, didn't even know that. Okay. I'm pretty sure it's on... The more you know. It used to be on Netflix, but it's not anymore. All right. That's so, how I know of it. Yeah. Musical. Uh, and finally, star power. How many stars are you giving The Breakfast I Club? Rated it a uh, 4.5. But now talking about it and thinking about it, I think it could be one of my favorite movies. So I think I'm going to probably give it a 5. 5? Alright. Yeah. We're the... We, our star ratings are... Have been pretty similar. Have kind of close the last couple weeks that I can remember. My... Hey... This is as close to perfect as one can get. I've always considered this a pretty much flawless film. That is why, hey, it's a no-brainer for me. It's a five-star film, guys. So, that is going to wrap up The Breakfast Club. That being said, I want to remind everyone they can listen to our previous episodes on iTunes, Spotify, Google, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, Breaker, Stitcher, and wherever else you enjoy your favorite podcasts. Follow us on Facebook.com slash MadDadMovieReview, Instagram.com, we're at MadDadMovieReview, also on Twitter, at MadDadMoviePod. Email any questions, comments, or requests at MadDadMovieReview at gmail.com, and next week, well, next week, we are going to be going to Harvard with... Elle Woods, Legally Blonde. You ever seen Legally Blonde? Of course I've not. But you're gonna. You never heard of Legally Blonde? I have. I said. Never, oh, I thought you said you've never heard of it. Heard of it. Oh, okay. Not gonna lie, I haven't seen it in a while, but it's a movie that I really enjoy. So, looking forward to revisiting that one next week. Until then. Hope you guys are staying safe. This has been... <laughs> we gotta work on our wrapping up or closing out the show. Signing off, you and I, we gotta work on that. Um, yeah, guys. Stay safe. Take care of one another. Hi, Dad. And I'm Dad. And this has been the Bad Dad Movie Review. <laughs> you just put a whole other line in there. <laughs> one of these days. Until then, see you guys.